Hi, Mike Douglas with you here on Into the Night with Pastor Mike, sponsored by Advancing Vibrant Communities. Our guest tonight is Dr. Jim Hinman, longtime psychologist in Modesto and author of Who's Really Driving Your Bus? and Changing Attitudes in Recovery, a handbook on esteem. Now, Jim, speaking of handbooks, if you were to write a field manual, uh, a handbook on how to stay healthy, how to survive the coronavirus, what chapters would you include and what would you discuss in those chapters? As usual, Michael, you ask hard questions. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Perception is what we experience through. We do not experience directly to reality. But we, we, we respond, we react, we're impacted by our perceptions of reality. Now, when the pandemic is a perfect storm, because if it were a flood, if it were a fire, if it was an earthquake, there'd be a beginning, middle, and end. We would, we would depend on, on counting on that to cope with the trauma of the interim experience. It is so open-ended that we don't get that typical relief. Instead, we get the opposite. We feel out of control. And when we're feeling out of control, we are effectively out of control. Number one, control is an illusion. Control is not part of the human condition, but we believe it should be. And so when we feel that we're not in control and it's open-ended, we we activate all of our worst survival software, things we've learned growing up, how to cope, but it doesn't work in this setting. Jim, you you talked initially about perceptions of reality, and that, that to me sounds like we have some filters, you know, like you put on a, a filter yeah. on a camera. And so uh, let's talk about the filters and why that may distort a little bit. Uh, or a lot of it, what's going on with with COVID-19? If we understand that we're dealing with filters that we don't even realize, for most of us, we don't realize we're filtering our experience. We believe we're dealing accurately with reality in the present moment. Therefore, when that's not working directly, we're dealing with the pandemic through our own unique perceptions of who we are, what the world is supposed to be like, what does it mean, for for example, as a Christian? Well, the pandemic is a great example of a fallen world. I mean, the, the world's falling apart. God didn't cause the pandemic, but we often expect that he should keep us safe because we're his, we're his, and why wouldn't he protect? So then we, we can get all twisted up inside. You know, you you make a good point there, Jim, and I, I've run across a, a lot of people who are saying, "Well, it's it's God punishing us," uh, you know, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, well, you know, that may play into some of those filters too, in in, in terms yeah, so, of the oh, perception of God, right? How can you turn to Him for help if He's the one causing it? See, I believe God's plan makes perfect sense. He wants to join us. He wants to put skin on him and help us go through that pandemic with us. That does make sense. Do you hear the difference? Now let's look at it from a 
a, a secular point of view. And sure. because mm-hmm. you and I, you and I deal uh, with, with people who uh, uh, who either are from other faith streams or don't particularly uh, mm-hmm. have a faith stream, and mm-hmm. from and, and look, you have what over forty years of experience as a psychologist in in dealing mm-hmm. with people when when life is out of control like it is right now with coronavirus and mm-hmm. uh we may not have a a common foundation of a world view with the person we're dealing with where do you start sure. with with people how do you uh begin with them to 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 deal with this out of control thing and and give them something to hang on to well michael that is, darn you you always ask good questions <laughs> when you when you look at jesus style he would accept us where we are starting. That's always part of his plan, is accepting us where we're starting. Loves us perfectly. Now, many people don't have that particular resource, and that's fine. I mean, that's, it's not good or bad. It just has a different impact. But when you, when you start dealing with somebody and you have a strong belief, if you if you kind of overpower that other person with belief, the only thing that's going to really come is they're, they're going to realize you're not hearing them. And it actually makes it worse and makes it harder for them to even consider another alternative such as a loving God. How's that for a mouthful? <laughs> so, uh, uh, Jim, where do we start? I, again, I, I'm I'm thinking. I I know you're about mm-hmm. visuals, and and you teach and you counsel by using mm-hmm. a lot of visuals. So I I'm envisioning sure. this. Uh, having spent a lot of my life in in the emergency services business, I'm I'm envisioning yeah. one of those manuals we used to. Have. We used to have manuals for everything. If you sneeze, you have a mm-hmm. manual. You know. But so yeah. <laughs> let let's think about this manual. Where mm-hmm. where should we start, start with a manual with people where, right where, now? Where you start would be where the person is starting. Mm. As the person wanting to be of help to this person who is struggling, the first step in the manual is helping them begin to understand and appreciate that that starting place makes sense. So we're affirming where they are. Right, we're affirming where we're they affirming are. We're affirming where they're starting. That the software they're running, it naturally makes sense that they would be having the experience they're having, because our experiences, our feelings, come from our perceptual filters. Our feelings are not true or false; they're simply emotional reactions to the perceptual filters that we don't even realize we're filtering through. Makes it more difficult. I'm reading between your lines here that we ought not Mm -hmm. to try to fix that person, but just try to acknowledge where they are and and affirm them as a starting point, right? Michael, if all Christians could have that, what you just said, come out spontaneously, it would make Jesus so happy because he always starts by accepting us where we're starting. He always starts there. That's what allows us to be able to consider hearing what he's offering. If we feel like to to accept him, we have to admit that we're full of baloney and that we're all screwed up. 
there's naturally going to be a lot of resistance. Yeah, Jim, what and, and I, I've heard this from you before. There, there's value and wisdom in not feeling guilty about where you are. Uh, and and I think you delve into something called secondary feelings, and and I've I've yes, over the years yes. understood that a little bit. Unpack those secondary feelings for us a little bit. That's a that's a perfect spot for it. If I am feeling like, what have I done to cause this? What have I done? Why is why is this happening? And we get into the why why why, it creates feelings about what we're feeling. I'm already feeling overwhelmed. Now I'm feeling self-loathing at feeling overwhelmed because I'm still responsible to take care of my family. I still have to deal with this pandemic chaos, but I am judging me with judgmental light that is looking at what's wrong. It's like the knowledge of good and evil applied in the metaphor of the flashlight. It inflames, it causes us to feel angry about feeling angry. It, it causes us to feel scared about feeling angry. The secondary feelings are actually much stronger than the original feelings. It makes sense in this pandemic to think this sucks. This, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. That's a very normal feeling. But then, oh, my gosh, I'm questioning God. Oh, I'm sorry, God. No, it's fine. It's good. <laughs> and suddenly we're not being honest. We're not being accurate with ourselves. It's normal. It is healthy to be feeling all kinds of feelings like, geez, this sucks. And, it, and why? And, and uh, I don't like the fact that I can't go out and do what I want to do. Those are normal human feelings then the anger and the resentment at feeling deprived affects everything in our perceptions, how we relate to others, how we relate to ourselves, and how we relate to the pandemic. It's very powerful. The flashlight will only produce what it believes it's going to find. The flashlight inflames, whereas the alternative, the lantern, which is a a light like a Coleman lantern that shines 360 in all directions with no double standard. What's true for me is true for you. What's true for you is true for me. And choosing to look at you and to look at me through God's eyes is profoundly different than looking through those filters of unresolved survival patterns that we learned growing up without even realizing we were learning what we tend to forget see the medical model which was very very popular it still is looks at things from a standpoint find the pathology and get rid of the pathology you know if it's a tumor <laughs> we both know that we won't go with that story from either of us <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> you know the um you know you have whatever choices you have at that moment. But if, as you were a little kid or adolescent or even sometimes in adult life, you, you, you're facing a circumstance that is so overwhelming, the survival pattern that you use at that moment works because you're still alive. <laughs> and you're used to it. So, it's familiar, right? And, and you're used to it and you're familiar and you don't even realize you're thinking, 
I'm looking clearly with my adult eyes today, when in truth, here's six-year-old Jimmy going, you know, I'm, I'm stupid, I'm inadequate. How can, I, how can I do anything to help anybody? And then I feel guilty at that. And then I feel angry at that. And then I feel scared at that. And all those other feelings accumulate together to an overwhelming uh, emotional immobilization. And, and that's where so many people feel isolated and alone when their habit patterns have been interrupted that they've used to cope with these things for years. And all of a sudden, their normal coping mechanisms are out the window. That adds more secondary feelings because it's like, now I'm trapped. What we can't do is have the pandemic not happening. And unfortunately, that's the thing we focus on. If I can't change that, I have no power. That's not true. Let, let me read this um, identity thing uh, card that I, I think I've shared it with you before, but it says, who am I at my core? I believe that who I am at my core is a deeply loved child of God. And I choose to be becoming his ambassador imperfectly reflecting his nature and style as I practice living consciously and purposefully in the present moment with my lantern of grace shining inside and out, allowing him through me to maximize my healthy power for good. That's side one. Now comes the part that's really choker. I am not my successes or my failures. Who I am is becoming in God. How I feel and how well I'm doing at any given time is just that, how I feel or do. Nothing defines my core self except becoming in him. My big brother Jesus draws me lovingly toward him, toward my becoming, toward true health. It's his nurturing of me when I can't nurture me that helps give me choices that I wouldn't have otherwise. Now, when you talk about the denial or the distraction just a, a minute ago, part of the problem is when we are feeling overwhelmed, we naturally try to move away from that feeling. So we try to distract it. We try to ignore it. We try to, to, to do something to, to, to distract ourselves from it. When we do that, the other signals are still coming in. It doesn't affect the signals. It just affects our consciousness. And so to be able to have the freedom to, to realize I am becoming, I am not what I'm feeling right now. And I'm feeling it right now, but that's not who I am. It's what I'm feeling. Here's the difference. If it's who I am, it's like heights. It's, it's a permanent, you know, if you're, if you're six foot, you're probably not going to end up being five, five, tomorrow <laughs> weight is different you know you can go from 200 to 175 or from 200 to 300 <laughs> um and 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 it's and it fluctuates so to see ourselves as becoming where we have a permanent stable faith that our big brother jesus loves us right where we're starting he loves us whether 
we even acknowledge his existence. I believe God's plan works, whether you believe in the author or not. So, Jim, we, we, we've gone through this process now of, of, of noticing and, uh, and and really being okay about what we feel about the pandemic. Now, so many people right now, anger is starting to build. I mean, they're, they're feeling, look, I'm out of work. I can't pay my bills. The mortgage is due. The rent is due. Yep. I don't yep. know where yep. the next dollar is coming from. But those guys that are still getting paid in Sacramento, Washington, D.C., they're yep. making decisions and everything's out of my control. <laughs> what, what, what do we do to help them in the, in the next step uh, towards recovering from uh, this, sure. this particular challenge? Well, I think the first step, it's always accuracy. Accuracy is what makes choices meaningful. If I am accurate in my perception, the choices that come from that are probably going to be accurate also. If my first reaction is inaccurate and it builds on more inaccuracy and resentment because things should be the way I want them to be. I shouldn't be going through this. This shouldn't be happening. Well, where's that written? A lot of bad things happen in this world. It is understandable that you're feeling frustrated and angry. Let's look at what's feeding that to the intensity that you're willing to risk your life and others' lives by rebelling against the best treatment to deal with the pandemic. Jim, you, you just said uh, two things that I, I think are really important here. Uh, I mean, everything you say is important, but <laughs> two, two things. In Good yet, Michael. <laughs> two, I, I was noticing myself with a flashlight there, I guess, at the moment. You were talking about <laughs> uh, viewing ourselves and the situation with accuracy versus inaccuracy. How do we do that right now? I'm thinking there, there's so much misinformation out there at the moment, uh, sometimes hard to tell. How, how do we do a, a, a check on ourselves for what we're saying? Is it accurate versus inaccurate? How do we know right now? Well, and see, that's part of the uh, perfect storm of the pandemic. Information tends to keep changing. And there's also politics and there's also, uh, you know, other things, too. It is appropriate to feel impacted by that. The question is, if I expect I should be in control of my life, then how dare this pandemic steal my life by not letting me be in control of my life? We all have wounded parts of us. And when those get triggered, they are triggered with the same developmental capacity that they had in the original setting. And the perceptions are in the original setting. So that's added to the, the reality problems of the pandemic. I don't like uh, being uh, quarantined, but you know what? If I'm gonna be quarantined, I wanna have an adventure in that quarantine. Instead of resenting it, if I need to have this quarantine, then my next choice and what gives me dignity and choice is how I approach that quarantine. And that's what people don't tend to think of. Instead, here's what they do, Michael. What if, 
what if, and if only. And they create incredible intensity inside. Think of it this way. We're, when we're doing the what if, I'm sure you've done some of that. I know we all do. You, you think of the worst case when you're doing it, right? Absolutely. Here's what happens, and we don't realize it. The pandemic is tough enough to go through in the present. When we try to go through that pandemic with an active what if, what if this happens, what if that happens, what we don't realize, when we're asking that question in our mind, in the time machine, we're actually experiencing that possibility as if it's actually happening. So it greatly amplifies the toxic effect. So we're, we're making, uh, in that case, an alternate reality that, that's not reality, right? Well, it may or may not be. Hmm. But when we believe that it is, it is for us, yeah. Even though it may not be, it may not even happen. Life is an adventure. I started skiing at 40. <laughs> Never was very good. It was not a smart move when I had an upstairs office and an upstairs bedroom. <laughs> but but I would spend all this money for equipment, getting there, lift tickets, to go and struggle to stay alive going down the hill. And I called it an adventure because it was something I was actively pursuing. It doesn't mean that it was all fun. It was hard work. It was exhausting. Whereas with the pandemic, we feel like the only choice we have is to feel trapped and powerless and having no choice. So if instead, what I choose to do, whatever is happening, good or bad, that's the adventure I'm having with my big brother Jesus at this moment. Now, if I didn't have that resource, it would be a lot tougher. But the principles reflected in it can be of value to a person, even if they don't accept the author, even if they don't believe in God, they can, they can sense the function, the positive function of those healthy perceptions that God is encouraging us to do. It's the perceptions that do the healing. Jim, were you the one that uh, gave us the example of the tuning forks in life? Was that you that, that gave us that, that metaphor many years ago? I think I was, I think we, that was one of those combined efforts. That's one of those special moments when we, uh, but I, I, I remember a bit of it. Can you, amplify that yeah I, I we had we had talked about the fact that as, as we go through life and traumatic things happen it's like tuning you know what a tuning everybody knows what a tuning fork is i think you know you sure, uh, sure. it looks like a fork you bang it on the table and it, it sounds a 440 it sounds a uh, a tone a frequency and you yeah. use that in the old days to tune pianos and and such anyway uh -huh. or, or instruments so these tuning forks often when we have traumatic experiences get planted in our lives but they remain silent until we have one more traumatic experience and that one tuning fork hits the table and goes off and if you put a whole bunch of tuning forks on a table and you put one that's resonating on the table with them all the rest of them go off at the same time 
And so, Spot on. right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so one mm-hmm. thing can bring up all that, uh, all those former traumas. Is that a, a little bit of what's playing into this for well, us? A lot of what's playing into it, Michael. It's a lot of what's playing into it because it's like one of the hardest things for parents is how do we reassure our children so that they don't feel overwhelmed? But we don't do that with ourselves inside. We don't do that with the wounded parts of us. And so, like you say, the tuning fork of that wounded part drowns out healthy sound and leaves us feeling discombobulated. That's a good theological term, discombobulated. (laughs) I use that a lot. (laughs) I love it. Jim, on our our, uh, maybe looking, let's skip to one of the final chapters of this uh, uh, manual that that you're building here to deal with the uh, coronavirus. And and you just Mm -hmm. mentioned parents Mm -hmm. and and children. Can can we talk Mm -hmm. just a a bit about what's going on in our homes? Now, you know, for our kids... And, and your kids grown up and they're adults and, you know, they have their own lives. But for sure. a, lot of, a lot of parents right now, the elementary school kids, the junior hires and the high schoolers mm-hmm. are at home. Mm-hmm. We're all mm-hmm. cooped up together. It's kind of a new yep. dynamic. Uh, we may be noticing new things <laughs> about each other mm-hmm. uh, as parents. Yep. What can parents do to help their children uh, deal with noticing what's going around them in, in healthy ways. Let's use our tuning fork metaphor in that question. The best thing as a parent of, you know, like, like you say, younger kids is how they, how the parent treats themselves is going to have a huge effect on the impact the child is experiencing. If we are being very angry and frustrated and resentful inside, but we're trying to keep that down so it doesn't affect our child, our child sees it, reacts to it. So if if we are nurturing ourselves during this difficult time, it's much easier then to also nurture our children, to bring a lantern that appreciates that we're all sending uh, toxic signals without meaning to. And after 48 years of marriage with Sonia uh, and during this pandemic, we've had a number of, of, of times where we've sort of collided and that is natural, but we both knew we were both distorting <laughs> our filters. We were, I was seeing her with a flashlight. She was seeing me with a flashlight. So she was reacting or I was reacting in a judgmental way, thinking I'm doing the right thing. She's doing the wrong thing (laughs) or vice versa. And that leads under a pressured time to a lot of defensiveness, reactions uh, that that have an effect on the environment in the home. That's what kids pick up on. The bottom line as a parent is to be committed to doing the healthiest that you can do and celebrating every tiny step that helps you move in that direction, whether for you or for your kids. What the kid wants to know is, am I going to be safe? Mm. 
parent is saying, you know, honey, we don't know when this is going to end, but what I do know, we're going to get through this together. It, it helps the kid to know they have value for the team. We're all going to be pulling together during this really tough time, and we're going to make it, and it's going to be really hard, but we're going to do it together. So, Jim, as as we uh, prepare to conclude, it sounds like within the home environment, uh, and, and maybe I can put it this way, as, as parents, we, we need to be mindful of how we're reacting without being phony, right? We want to be genuine, right. well, but we know, have actually, to be honest. Something I was going to mention earlier, because you you know, way earlier in our conversation, unfortunately, some Christians believe that their job is to say, praise the Lord, we're going through this struggle. Poppycock. That's, it's denying the honest feeling. And if you deny the honest feeling, it affects the ability to actually connect with God. It, it's a matter of being so, real in front of God, right? Being real, because God is real. Yeah. And he wants us to be real. He wants us to be angry at him that this is happening. If Not that he caused it, but angry that it's happening. That's fine. He isn't offended, but he would rather have us share those angry feelings with him so he can love us through those. He doesn't get defensive. He wants us to have a safe place to release those normal, angry, toxic feelings and him replacing them with loving grace and tenderness and kindness and a willingness to, through us, draw us toward his healthiness. And so for for parents in that process, Jim, what I'm I'm getting is, and I guess it's an old adage, right? Uh, more is caught than taught. It's not a matter of preaching these things to our kids, but modeling uh, healthy behaviors in a real and authentic yes. way. Our children are watching, and I think your point about modeling these healthy behaviors without being phony about it while being genuine mm-hmm. uh, are, are just so genuine. Mm-hmm. so important mm-hmm. right now to have that genuineness. And I, I think you mentioned a, a great thing there not minimizing the dangers of of the pandemic and and what it poses, but acknowledging Mm -hmm. it and offering new ways Mm -hmm. of of dealing with it. People right now are talking about uh, the new normal, and I I think we're in a new abnormal, uh, but we're building towards a new normal, and it's going to be different. And, you know, help me uh, cross-check me on here. My my Mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. is that we're going to have a whole new paradigm to deal with uh, in, in another couple of months, e- even when coronavirus is, is starting to fade into the, the distance. It's not going to mm-hmm. go back like it was. Life is not going to be like it used to be. And so we need to start preparing ourselves now uh, to to reprogram, I guess you could say, for a, a new mm-hmm. way of dealing with things and, and a new way to accept things that either weren't there before or new things mm-hmm. that are now here that were not before. Absolutely. The prayer of serenity. God grant me the serenity. And, and you can do this whether you believe in God or just leave. That sounds terrible. Go ahead and leave God out and just say, give me the serenity to change what I can change. The freedom to release what I can't change. 
Because if I can't change it and I focus on what I can't change, then I'm not focusing on what I can change. So it hurts my power of healthiness. And the new normal, I hope, helps us see that we have lost our way in terms of importance in relationships, in in choices in life. I hope that we can get all the nuggets possible out of this pandemic crisis. The deeper the valley, the more abundant the nuggets. If we keep our focus on it being an adventure of mindfulness and accuracy and kindness inside and out, imperfectly given, I hope that's what comes out of this. Dr. Jim Hinman, thank you. Friends, just a thought about Dr. Hinman's last comment. When he talks about looking at the challenge or the obstacle or the tragedy or the range of emotions we have in reaction to coronavirus right now, he's not referring to an adventure as in a Disneyland ride. It's a sense of authentically and genuinely looking at what we're going through and being curious about what we're going to learn from it and how we're going to grow through it. That's the adventure. And through it all, we'll do it imperfectly because we are imperfect beings. But that's okay. That's part of the adventure. Being real about it. Being real about us. And being kind to ourselves and kind to others throughout the adventure. Now, I don't pretend to be able to understand what that fully means yet in the context of COVID-19 and the adventure you and I are on. But Dr. Henman gives us some new ways of navigating these uncertain waters. I don't know about you. If you're up to it, I'm up to tackling this adventure with you. And let's see what nuggets we find on the other side of the challenge and maybe compare notes on how we've grown through it all. For Advancing Vibrant Communities, I'm Pastor Mike Douglas on Into the Night with Pastor Mike.